Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host Brian Mosey. Brian, you are back from vacation, a cruise. You got to enjoy um, just great weather, great times, and now you're back, stuck with us. So um, what's it like being back in Minnesota? I do appreciate the 60-degree weather right now um, instead of, you know, last week where I think you guys were in 45 degree weather so um i'm glad i could bring some of that nice weather back with me so you're welcome for that um but yeah no definitely recommend a cruise if anybody's wanting to do that because it was awesome it was super fun um basically just float on a big giant hotel boat basically and uh yeah it was it was a lot of fun got to hang out with my family and uh, my fiance and now getting back and ready to roll for uh, the the May, the month of May, and getting ready for uh, some games up ahead as we get closer and closer to that uh, that section tournament time. Yeah, when you were gone last week, we finally did get to get um, you know quite a few more games in. Last week, got to, I got to go to a couple events uh, by myself. We'll talk about some of those, um, and then we also were both um, out at softball um, for high school and college last night. That. Um, we'll discuss too, you know, we, I know we didn't have a podcast last week cause you were gone. So we'll probably have a bit more to kind of recap, look at both weeks a bit, um, here as a lot of these games really start to pick up and it gets busy these, these next couple weeks. So I think we'll probably start with softball since, um, like I said, we were both at games last night. We'll start with the high school game that you were at. You, um, got to see cathedral play, um, Albany in a doubleheader. You got to stay for both games. Um, and it seemed like um, there were some pretty big performances there. Yeah, I mean, co- coming into the game, you had Albany that was 7-1, and one, Cathedral that was 5-1, and one, and, I mean, regardless of what record they are usually, I mean, it's always a fun game between Cathedral and Albany, um, both section opponents and conference opponents, so a lot of rivalry there in that sense. Um, and then, and it kind of showed on, on the field last night um, as they did a doubleheader at Albany, Cathedral was able to get the sweep with a 4-2 to two win in the first game and then a 9-3 to three win in the second game. The big thing when it came to both games was Ella Voigt, the sophomore pitcher for Cathedral. She was basically lights out throughout the entire night. She threw a complete game in game one, striking out eight, and then she pitched four innings in the second game and struck out two. And then Catherine Bell was able to come in and pitch the last three innings or, or so. Um, so... Just it was a lot of fun to watch when it came to Cathedral. Kind of when I talked to Todd Dingman, their their head coach, he even said they kind of start off slow uh, offensively, and then they kind of pick it up. It seems like they're kind of a second half team um, when it comes to the games. And that first game, it definitely showed Cathedral was down, I believe, one to nothing through four innings, and then they kind of capitalized on some errors that Albany made over the course of a couple innings, and it led to them being able to lead 4-1. to one. 
same thing in in the second game, but actually the airs started off early, and so they were able to get that offense going early in the game. They committed a, probably a couple errors in the first and second inning. Albany did, and Cathedral was able to get a seven to nothing or seven to one lead over the Huskies. And so, I mean, it was kind of it was kind of nice to see. Also, what was nice to see was just the lineup. I mean, you have Ella Voigt, who's a sophomore, that's kind of taking over that leadoff role. And then you have four straight seniors that are taking the two, three, four, five spots. And then after that, it's kind of a variety of like eighth graders, underclassmen, um, even a couple upperclassmen as well. And so it's just kind of a variety. So you have like that core base of seniors that are kind of teaching these eighth graders kind of how to play cathedral softball and trying to keep that, I guess, tradition going as, as they get closer and closer to graduating. So... Overall, I thought it was a nice game. Um, Albany definitely looks good, even though it might not look good yesterday in the sense of two losses. They do still have a pretty good team. Um, they're led by Alyssa Sand, who's batting over 650 right now. That's phenomenal. She's, I mean, honestly, she could probably hit a golf ball right now with, with just how hot she is at the plate. And then um, you also have Ryland, who's one of their catchers, and she's been batting, I think, like 550, I believe it was. Um, and then you have Haley Hoffarth as their starting pitcher, their number one pitcher. And she's been kind of off and on a little bit to this year, but um, starting to kind of get into a groove a little bit um, as we get into the middle of the season. So overall, I thought it was a very good couple of games. Nice to see kind of how the two teams did since I haven't really been able to see softball yet this season. Um, and and honestly, Cathedral looks like a pretty good threat um, as they get ready for the season. They play Piers on Thursday, and that will be their biggest test because Piers is undefeated and the number one seed as of right now in the section, um, in their section. So, if they can pull off an upset at Piers on on Thursday, I think they have a pretty good chance of possibly getting up into that two, one or two spot um, later on in the season. Yeah, and Cathedral earlier in the week, too, they won 12-1 to um, over Zimmerman in five innings, um, and Elevoit picked up the win in that one. Um, she only had to throw four innings because of how quickly they got it done, um, but she um, got six strikeouts in that one, too. And, um, you know, she's had a lot of success this year. I know you kind of focused on her a bit. Um, for your story about this game, what, what in her game has really either improved or um, changed to just be so dominant on the mound this year? Yeah, I mean, with, with Ella Voigt, she started 20 of the 23 games last year as a freshman, which is pretty rare. I mean, you don't really see a freshman being the number one starter for a varsity softball team. But she just had the skills to be able to do that. And this offseason, she really focused on getting her variety of pitches down as well as locating the, her pitches. So she was – obviously, you have your, your fastball as a, as, a, as a softball player and – that's kind of your traditional thing. Even if you're a baseball player, you're trying to get that kind of locked down. And then after that, it'll be, you know, now she's focusing on her high ball um, or her rise ball and then, you know, a change up and such just to kind of get a different variety of pitches so that the speed is a little different. Um, and then on top of it, she's also looking at, you know, how can I get this on the outside corner? How can I jam a batter um, and kind of make it hard because, you know, last year she didn't really do that. And she would able to, she was able to get through a couple couple lineups of of batters, but then once they were able to see her a third time, they kind of caught on to what she was able to do. So now she's kind of able to do that a little bit differently, and I think it's been working in her favor this year. Um, and 
she also has a really good defense behind her. She, I mean, you have basically a senior core that's taking up most of the outfield or infield, and then you have a sprinkle of some younger players that are kind of taking over some positions, and they've been playing basically errorless baseball for almost four or five games. And so um, that just kind of shows you if you can get those outs, she can trust that defense where, you know, even if they hit the ball, she knows that they're going to get an out, you know. And so um, she did have to pitch through some tough tough um, situations. So yesterday there was bases loaded with one out, and she was able to strike out two straight batters to close out the inning. And I think that just kind of shows you she also has a lot of confidence on that mound, which is very rare to see in a sophomore, <laughs> especially when, when you're um, facing some really tough competition. Yeah, and last week, too, I got to see um, Sartell versus Ricori and kind of another um, local crossover matchup. And those were some really good games, too. Sartell won 4-2 to two and 5-3 to three in Cold Spring. But, um, you know, the games kind of even felt, I mean, those are close score lines, but it was kind of at all times. Um, each team was just one or two hits away from a big moment. There was, you know, it seemed like every batter was working the count deep. Um, you saw a, a lot of they were working it deep. They're also getting ahead really early in the counts too. You know, two nothing, three nothing, and then um, the pitchers a lot of the time even ended up getting strikeouts in a lot of those situations. So it just was a really good battle. Um, the one that stood out to me the most was Danica Sarf for the Sabers. Um, she pitched all 14 innings of the doubleheader, which is pretty incredible. Um, and in the first game, she only gave up three hits. She struck out 10, um, and then in the second game, um, she gave up five hits, but she struck out 12. So 22 strikeouts in one afternoon. Um, in 14 innings is pretty incredible and she's been kind of their ace all season they've been able to rely on she's also been um, really good at the plate too pretty consistently for them Um, and in in the game two of that series two Megan Dristy was three for four um, and scored three runs herself of the five too so um, they've been getting some nice pieces from throughout their lineup Um, it just seems like they're kind of really versatile and even though um, you know last year had a pretty clear identity and a lot of seniors it seems like that junior class that did the ones that did get to play a bit last year have really um stepped up and tried to kind of press them forward to having a similar uh level of success again and you know last night they played two played fergus falls won 15 to nothing um and then i believe 12 to nothing in the other game um and it's a lot of some of the same names danica sarf she pitched and also had three hits um you know megan dristy had three hits Drayden jaden treader had three hits then Abby Schultz had a nice uh, game on the mound too. So um, things are looking really good for Sartell right now. They've only lost twice this year, up to eight and two, um, and they're looking like um, a really big threat in that conference. Absolutely, I, I think, like you said, Danica Sarf, and then you know you have Megan Dristy as well as Jaden Treader. Uh, those two are kind of the main batters that are kind of returning. That are your number one and number two hitters that kind of start off that game pretty strong and. Um, so far, it's been working really well for the Sabres. So um, I guess if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. <laughs> and and who else? Um, you know, any of these other scores stand out to you? I know those were the only games we got to see in person. Anything else you think um, is important to mention about softball? I mean, just the only other thing is Albany has had a couple really good games before the Cathedral losses. Um, they beat Mora 12-1 to on Thursday last week. Um, and then Alyssa Sand was 3-4 for four with a home run on the, in that game. And then they beat Foley 20-8 to in six innings on Friday. Kendall Bierman was 2-for-5 with three runs, two, R- two home runs, and seven RBIs. And then Audrey Ryland was 3-for-4 with five RBIs. So some really good performances by them. 
and then they were able to sweep Little Falls on Monday, nine to seven and ten to three. So some really good performances there. Um, I mean, obviously last night was a was I guess probably frustrating just to you know lose twice, but doesn't mean that Albany's on the wrong track or anything like that. Um, the only other team is you know St. Cloud has just had a couple tough matchups. They had to face off against Alexandria and got swept last night against Alexandria. Um, they also faced off against Moorhead last Thursday, and they were swept by Moorhead twice. So, I mean, it it it's tough because they're playing some really really tough teams in that Moorhead and Alexandria teams, where you know they're possibly going to be making a state run, honestly. And so, um, just kind of be interested to see when they are able to play a couple, you know, Central Lakes opponents that are maybe you know, 500 or so where they're at, I mean, maybe they could get a couple more wins and get that winning streak going a little bit more. Yeah, and they only lost 3-2 to two to, you know, Cathedral last Friday night um, in a game that Cathedral had to kind of come back and win to, to you know, be able to keep their kind of streak alive. So, yeah, so talent level is definitely close still there. You know, it's just hard when you're playing, um, you know, some of the better schools, but that's kind of how it goes. So I think that that's about it for softball. Brian, where should we head next? Yeah, I know. Last week, while I was sitting on a beach, you were you were over. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to rub it in your face. Or no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, no, you were you were over at uh, a few tennis matches over the last week. Um, we're able to kind of see a lot of the local teams kind of face off against each other. Just talk about kind of what you've seen from that, and you know, kind of what it means for this month of May. Yeah, I got to see um, Tech and Sartell face off at Tech. Um, I believe that was last Monday, maybe. I can't even remember. It's been quite a while. Yeah. But um, both teams have played a ton of matches since. But in that one, Tech won 6-1 to one, um, and just kind of right from the start um, looked kind of on a different level, especially, you know, Michael Plombaum at one singles. He won 6-1, 6-1. Um, he's off to a really good start. You know, um, he was, you know, uh, first singles last year and he's kind of taken that in stride and done even better this year he's seven and three so you know Michael Plombon is definitely someone you're gonna want to keep looking out for especially when we get to kind of section times um, and then also at um, number one doubles in that match um, you had Gavin Fenstead and Ripley Garden who have been playing together a little bit um, they won six nothing six one two um, and looked and looked really great so um, the one win that Sartell was able to pick up was at um, number three singles which um, I believe was from uh, Jack Mashad, who's been off to a really good start. He's only a freshman. He got to play a bit as an eighth grader last year, um, and he's already nine and two. He's been kind of playing mainly just at that n- number three single spot, but he's been pretty dominant in men, um, his last three matches. He's swept in straight sets um, at that spot too. So he's definitely someone that's um, really impressed me for Sartell too, um, as as time has gone on. And it's funny because even though Tech, you know, easily took care of Sartell in that match. Um, Tech's only three and seven on the year. They've been playing some re- really tough um, non-conference opponents. They've been losing some close matches. While Sartell, since then, I think has won um, six consecutive matches or even seven consecutive matches um, in some of their non-conference play and conference schedule. They've been really hitting a stride um, since kind of that low point of losing six to one to Tech. So um, varying kind of different runs through the regular season. They've both fa- played six, seven matches in the last week and a half. So. Um, we're, we've seen that for a lot of sports. The, the schedule's about to kind of start getting really crammed around this time of the year. Yeah, and I know last night Sartell was able to get a couple more wins. They beat Detroit Lakes 4-3 to three, um, with some wins again with, like you said, Jack Mashad, 
um, as well as Zach Farley, where they were able to get a couple single wins. Um, and then they were also able to beat Wilmer 6-1 to last night. Um, Sebastian Liu and um, Clayton Fuller, they both were able to get wins in the number one and two single spots. And then Aiden Woods and Bailey Woods, they were they swept their opponent in number two doubles. So um, some good performances by them. Cathedral lost five to two to Aiken last night, um, but they were able er, and they lost also to Sartell six to one on Monday night. Um, as you know, they they've been trying to kind of. It seemed like they were catching a little bit of that win streak, and then you know the last couple of games just had some tough opponents. But they did get that win against um, Osakis on, I believe that was Thursday night, um, four to three, and so um, you know, kind of looking at least a little, a little good right now as they head into the month of May. Yeah, still getting you know some wins here and there. Um, Chandler Hendricks at number one singles has kind of been the standout for them. Um, he's up to five and three on the year, and that's always it's always tough to do that at the number one single spot just because you are getting the best player every single match, but. Um, he's he's been the one kind of consistently being able to pick up wins for them even when the team hasn't been getting wins so yeah still some good things all around from those tennis teams I'm just even looking at the schedule I know team sections and individuals is coming up like way too soon it's literally in like two or three weeks already um, tennis is always kind of the first one it seems like for the spring season so definitely keep an eye on how these teams are doing in the next week or two because it's going to determine a lot kind of um, their momentum heading into playoff time absolutely that kind of wraps up the tennis talk. Um, I think the last thing that we wanted to kind of chat about before we hit the break was um, track and field. And the reason why is because Sock Rapids is hosting the, say with me, Mega, Mega Meat. Meat. Yes. Got to do a low voice, you know. Mega Meat. <laughs> kind of like that. We'll see how that picks up on the mic. But, yeah, we have the Mega Meat this weekend that, um, you know, I still don't think I've ever been to because the first year we were here it got canceled. Um, last year was on a Saturday. I think Dave went. I don't think um, we were working Saturdays at that point of the year. And this year, you're the one um, that's working Saturday. So you get to enjoy the fun of the Mega Meet. We have a lot of teams, as always, that are going to be there. But from locally, we have um, Sock Rapids obviously hosting the event at the middle school. And then you have Apollo, Cathedral, and Albany um, all competing, which is kind of a mix you don't really get any other time of the year. So um, I think it I think it should be a lot of fun to see how that turns out. Yeah, for sure. And um, just kind of going over some of the results over the last week um, as we head into that mega meet. Ricori um, won't be at the mega meet, but they had a really good performance last night in Maple Grove during the Crimson Invite. Um, the boys finished seventh out of eight teams. Um, Brett Whitmer, he finished second in the discus throw, um, as well as Vincent Calusa, he finished fifth in the 800. Um, so some good performances there. And then um, the girls, they finished, I believe it was third out of eight teams. Um, Cece Woods, she finished first in the 100-meter hurdles, as well as fifth in the 400 dash. Um, Shelby Sieben, um, she finished first in the discus throw. And then Brianna Sch um, Schneider, um, she finished second in the shot put. So some good performances there. Um, also, Cece Woods was able to finish fifth in the 300 hurdles and sixth in the 100 hurdles at the Hamlin Elite Meet on Friday last week. Um, so that was kind of a, that was a bigger meet just because you're facing some of the biggest competition. Um, it's a little bit of like a state 
preview, honestly. Yeah, I think I'd say that's a good way to put it. You know, they kind of in, you only can get invited to the meet if you kind of have hit a certain time or threshold in the first two or three weeks of the season. You get invited to this meet, and it's you know people from all three classes too, which is really unique. You don't get to see that, so um, you know even a fifth or sixth there might mean a first or second when you come around. Um, you know later in the year, and we had. Um, you know, quite a few people competing at that meet too. I was I was impressed with how many people had got invited to start the year. You had Hope Schuler from Cathedral, who um, she had a personal best of 12.7 in the hundred. She took 13th place, but I think that was the the third fastest time in Cathedral history for a girl for the hundred. So she continues to inch closer to the school record. Um, CC Woods, like you'd mentioned, she set. I think it was a wind dated time, but I think it still counts as technically the um, school record for Cathedral in the in the 100 hurdles, which I think it stood for since 1985 I have down, um, was what she got. And then last night was a 14.91. The previous record was 14.92. So she's she's just kind of sitting right around there, continuing to improve and is doing just as well in the 300. And then you had Albany's Olivia Gable, who just continues to break her own school record. Basically, every time she runs, she got seventh in the 1600 um, in 5.02. And that was against some really big 3A schools, too. So um, Noelle Hackemuller competed in the long and triple jump too. And then, um, John Kayser was in the shot put, um, on the boys side too. So, I mean, there was a lot going on at that meet. And then the kind of the biggest one to me that stood out was cathedral for the boys four by eight relay. Um, they took fourth, which for a one, a school is, is crazy with the teams they're competing against. And they did it in eight, oh, eight minutes and eight seconds, which, um, broke the previous school record by a second and that record had stood for about 20 years too so um they're already kind of cementing themselves as possibly a favorite for um that four by eight relay which they got to state last year and did pretty well but um and they brought three guys back from it so you expected it to be strong but i didn't expect them already to be breaking records now i thought that might come during section time but if they're already doing that i'm i'm really interested to see what that could look like later in the year absolutely and and john kayser was able to kind of continue that success on tuesday in the Buffalo invite, um, Tech finished third in the boys out of six teams um, in that invite. And a lot of really good field events um, finishes. John Kayser finished first in the shot put. John Rus- or Josh Russell finished second in the shot put and first in the discus. Garrison Murray was finishing first in the high jump. And then Eric Nicholas, he finished second in the long jump and first in the triple jump. So some really good field performances by that boys team. Um, unfortunately won't see them at the mega meet, but, um, I'm kind of excited to see what, you know, I haven't gone to a track meet this season yet, so it'll be kind of fun to just see, you know, what these people are able to, what these athletes are able to offer at, at such a big meet where you do have a lot of good competition. I mean, Foley's going to be there. I know like North branch and a few other teams are going to be there. So, um, it's not like you're just doing a central lakes conference meet. I mean, it's going to be kind of a mixture of many different teams and so I think it'll be a good opportunity just to see where they all stand as they get ready for you know I know true team is finished is coming up next week um, and that's going to be a big one for a lot of these athletes just to kind of see where they're at as they get ready for sections um, probably here in the next month or so yeah and all those guys you mentioned for tech are all guys that kind of have on my radar for possible state qualifiers too I mean every single meet they've been top one top two top three in those field events um, and there are a lot of names too that were were kind of right on that cutting edge last year at sections. They were you know fifth, sixth, seventh at sections, um, and with that extra year, I think a lot of those guys could could step up. And yeah, to your to your last point about 
True Team Recorder is going to be hosting a lot of teams um, on Tuesday. I'll be at that meet. And, you know, Recorder, especially on the girls' side, is a team that they just won state True Team last year for their class. They've been consistently winning it second place almost every year, hosting the section meet um, with so many teams I can't even count. So it'll definitely be interesting. Like you said, you get to see teams you don't the rest of the year. That can spur um, some better time, some better competition, and, and lead to a fun meet. So, yeah, so next week um, for sure we'll have even a lot more to talk about after uh, being able to witness, you know, both of those events when we get to talk next Wednesday. Yeah, and, I mean, I know I only did a couple names for the Recorey girls, but there was plenty of girls that finished in the top five or top ten at that Crimson Invite last night. So, I mean, if that doesn't show you anything, I mean, Recorey, they finished behind St. Michael Albertville and Minnetonka. Those are big schools. Big schools. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're looking at that, I mean, obviously I'm sure they want to compete with them, but also they're not as big of a school as Minnetonka and, and St. Michael Albertville. So um, a really good performance by the Spartans last night for, for the girls' side. So, But I think, I mean, I think that's kind of it on my end for track. Anything else you want to add for track and field as we get ready for the mega meet? Um, I was just going to add that just kind of in the past, I think might have talked about this earlier in the year, but with it going to, to three classes for the first time, and while True Team, I think, has been three classes for a while, so Ricori's kind of found a nice kind of spot in that second biggest class, I think we're going to see a lot of that with these athletes this year, the Ricori's, the Techs, um, the Apollos, some of those that are in 2A that have been competing against those, those biggest schools. I think we could really see um, some more podiums, um, some more records depending it, it'll be really interesting when we get um, you know later into May and June but for now they've they're definitely well on their way a lot of these athletes to, to setting you know personal records absolutely well good well I think that kind of wraps up the first segment when we get back um, I think we're going to be talking a little bit of college because St. Cloud State has been doing really well with baseball as well as the uh, St. Cloud Tech School has been doing really well with softball um, and then I think we're going to wrap it up with baseball um, at the end. Yeah, that sounds good. So um, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Um, like Brian mentioned, before the break, we're going to talk a bit of um, baseball and softball, college and high school a bit here to round out the show. Um, one of the big stories just kind of around St. Cloud right now is um, how their baseball team is doing at St. Cloud State. It's been pretty incredible to see the run they've put together. They've won 17 in a row now. Um, they're going into their last week of the regular season now here where they have um, today on Wednesday, and they play up in Bismarck, and then um, on Friday they'll play in Minot as they try to kind of finish out the regular season with that win streak intact. And you know, the it's just kind of been incredible what they've been able to put together. Not only are they just winning every game, and they also, I believe, have um, the longest win streak in Division Two right now, active win streak. But besides that, they had you know they'd had about a decade since they'd had a no hitter, and then they throw a perfect, they have a perfect game. Um, and then like six days later, I was there when they throw another no hitter. And then like less than a week later, they throw another no hitter. So now they've had three in about 10 day spans. So 
everything is is going right for the Huskies, um, and it's been pretty incredible. They're they're chasing their their longest streak in um, program history is twenty three games. They did that in the year that they won. They went fifty four and five. Um, wow. Yeah, and made it to um, you know a lot of games. Fifty four and five. A lot of games. Yes. Um, then they My made arm it. just hurts thinking about it. <laughs> And they made it to, to regions that year, and regions is somewhere where last decade they were basically every year shooing for. I think they went about eight times in nine years. Now it's been a couple years since they've been able to make it to that point, so I know they're really hoping for um, that this streak kind of puts them on the radar of the committee since they started the year with a couple bad losses before this all this streak went, so they still haven't really been getting ranked or been getting you know in the regional rankings, the top 25 polls, but... At some point, if they've won like 22 games in a row, I don't know how you can really you have to. You can't really deny them at that point, and they've been doing. Oh, let's see, three per or three no hitters, and a 17 game win streak. Yeah, we're not going to throw them in. You know that sounds dumb. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see if that changes in the coming weeks. They're trying to position themselves. They're still sitting, despite this run, they're still have been sitting kind of right around third in conference, just because of how good Augustana and Mankato have been. So. Um, they're coming up on the conference tournament too, which will be played up um, in Sioux Falls. So they'll also have a chance to, you know, make some noise there and and pave their way. But it's it's been really cool to see. Also for one of the no hitters to be um, Trevor Koenig, who obviously went to Tech. He's pitched for the Rocks for years, um, and he'd had an injury earlier in the year where this was only his first start since that injury, and he came out and in seven innings threw a no hitter. And he said he'd never had a no hitter in, you know. High school with the rocks, college before anything. He said he'd never even had one past like the That's fourth, really cool. or, yeah, fourth or fifth inning. So to be able to do that in front of the home fans, and they've they've only had you know six, seven home games this year because of weather too. You know, there's been barely any games here in St. Cloud. So to do it, um, and pro- you know, probably his last start ever, um, at, in St. Cloud for the Huskies was cool to see too. So yeah, kind of everything going right, um, with that program. Pat Dolan, their coach, he said, you know that how this team has gone about their business. It kind of reminds him of that 2015 team a lot that won all those games, 54 games. Um, it's just kind of all been clicking from hitting perspective. They have more pitching depth than usual. Um, it's just, it's all coming together. So it's going to be kind of cool these next weeks to see um, how it goes for the Huskies. Yeah, no, and if you haven't seen the story, make sure to go on sctimes.com. Um, a really good story by Zach and um, also Dave took some nice photos um, over at that game as well. So kind of get a, a little bit of a double whammy on that that sense. And I know for you, you were able to get out to St. Cloud Tech um, College last night for the uh, softball team, which is basically the Sartell slash Tech base, or softball team because there's so many familiar names from players that we covered last year um, on the Sartell and Tech high school teams. Yeah, it's six of the 13 players are from Sartell or Tech and four from Sartell and it's you know because of kind of um, you know how COVID eligibility went and everything you know it's basically all freshmen you know basically the entire team so um, it's been they've been incredibly strong they just won their 30 and 31st game yesterday they're 31 and 3 overall um, and are just they've just been nearly unstoppable Anoka Ramsey who they beat um, last night that I got to see who they beat um, five to one in the first game, and then even up that in the second game, um, they came in as the number nine team in um, their division. There's three divisions for junior college softball too. So they're in Division Three. Anoka was ninth, and St. Cloud was eighth, and they'd split the previous series at Anoka. So um, 
St. Cloud, even with their record, they were still second in the division coming into the game. So it was um, just kind of huge implications for seeding, for regionals, and then eventually trying to make it to, um, you know, the Junior College World Series. And they got the job done from the beginning. They they pitched incredibly, which they've been the best team in the conference um, in pitching in ERA all year. And then, um, yeah, a couple of familiar names like Raina Stangle from um, Sartell is, you know, she's right now she's second in all of the division in batting average, 651. Um, she has leads in RBIs, 75, home runs, 17. Um, every, you know, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, everything. She's just like way – it's just insane what she's been able to put together. And then you have other names like, you know, Cammie Dougherty. She's been pitching to, and she's also third in Division three with 12 home runs. Um, you know, Emma MDK, she's also hitting over 500. She had a ton of hits yesterday too. I mean, they're just, they're clicking on all cylinders. And this afternoon, actually on Wednesday, I'm going to get to talk to them for a story, just kind of about how their seasons goes. I'm interested to see kind of how it all came together. This many kind of local players, you know, picked at the same time to, to try to do something special here. And they're off to just an insane start. Well, and I remember last year doing that story on the senior group. I said, where are you going to school? And they're like, tech school. Tech school, tech school, tech school. I was like, wow, they're getting some talent, I'll tell you that much. And, you know, obviously it's shown over the last, you know, couple of months here with, with all their performances that they've been able to do. But, yeah, definitely fun to see some college teams being able to, you know, get on the right track, especially when it comes to college, the postseason is a little bit sooner than usually the state tournaments for high school. So we're kind of getting into the last few weeks before that postseason starts to hit. You have conference tournaments, you know, regional tournaments, national tournaments, whatever it may be. Um, and so definitely nice to see some teams getting on that hot streak, especially as you're heading into those important tournaments. Yeah, so we'll kind of keep an eye on those teams, you know, as we go on, see if um, what they can do in the postseason. And then also as we kind of wrap up today, we wanted to talk a bit about baseball because with how many games got rescheduled those first weeks, teams are basically playing – almost every day it seems like <laughs> seems right now like, yeah. so um brian what were some of kind of the standout ones i know you're going to be seeing sartell and sock rapids um later this week but you know who else along with them um have been you know getting some wins having some standout performances yeah i mean last night you had um another good rivalry between albany and cathedral for baseball not just softball but baseball too albany got the eight to two win against cathedral Brady Goble went six innings with the win, um, one earned run, five Ks. He also went three for four with three runs and two RBIs, so a really good night for him. Um, Carter Beer also went three for four with three RBIs. And then um, Sartell, like I, like you were saying, going to be over at Bob Cross Field on Thursday as Sock Rapids hosts Sar Sartell for a good rivalry there. Sartell did get the 6 to nothing win against Wilmer last night. Cade Lewis went two for four with two home runs, two runs, and three RBIs. Wesley Johnson has been a name that has kind of stood out. Um, I know um, Tyler hasn't been able to pitch yet um, this season, um, just looking at some of the stats and such. And so Wesley Johnson has been a really nice addition on that pitching mound for the Sabres. Um, he pitched seven innings, zero runs, three hits, two walks, four Ks. So a really good, good start for him. Um, he also was able to pitch uh, last week against, I believe it was, um, Ricori on Thursday night, um, where Sartell was able to get the 10-2 win against Ricori. 
Um, Cade Lewis got four RBIs in that game, and Wesley Johnson pitched a complete game, four hits, one earned run, two walks, and three Ks. So um, really good outings for Wesley Johnson in both both games. Um, also last night, Ricori got the 5-4 to four win against Sock Rapids Rice in a walk-off. Um, Ricori was able to get that win. Joel Sawada went 2-2 two two with a run in an RBI. Brady Blattner pitched six innings, zero earned runs, four hits, two walks, and two Ks. Um, Andrew Heron also pitched two, um, about three innings, zero hits, zero runs, three walks, and two Ks. So um, be interested to see kind of how Sock Rapids and Sartell face off against each other, um, both teams that are kind of going up and down right now. Um, I know Sartell lost a few games early on in the, in the season, it, really close games. Um, and then Sock Rapids has also been kind of either right above or right below the win mark. Um, because I know on Monday they, they played Big Lake, Sock Rapids did, and they were able to get the 4-3 to three win against Big Lake. Ethan Swanson had two innings, zero runs, five Ks, um, just an outstanding performance by him. Cathedral also was able to get a win against Zimmerman 6-4, to four, also lost to Zimmerman 5-1 to one in the other game. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to just like Sartell at least, Sartell's been facing off against some really big teams because they're going to have to play those teams in sections. So I don't want to say that Sartell's a bad team because they have a lot of talent. It's just the fact that you're playing against some really big teams. I mean, you played against Ale- they played against Alexandria and got swept um, in a doubleheader on Friday. They also played um, Champlain Park, who's a really good team in the cities. Um, they lost 6-3 to three against them. Um, so, I mean, it's not like they lose 15 to nothing. I mean, they're close games. It's just the fact that it's, it's hard to, you know, make that jump and play the Maple Groves and the, you know, St. Michael Albertvilles and the, you know, Champlain Parks, those types of teams that you're not used to playing a whole lot. You're used to playing the Ricoris and Sock Rapids and kind of those sizes. Um, so, um, Kind of interesting to see how that one unfolds on on Thursday with Sartell and Sock Rapids um, as they get closer and closer. As for the only other team that's kind of left is St. Cloud. They lost to Alexandria last night, but they did lose a close game to Brainerd four to three on Thursday last week. Um, and then and Eline Eline Mesquita um, he finished with two for three on at the plate with three RBIs. He also pitched a complete game. Zero runs, three hits, two walks, and four Ks. So um, overall, I think just some good performances by a lot of the local teams. Um, be interesting to kind of see how Thursday rolls. Yeah, and, and two other teams I just kind of want to mention before we wrap up today is um, for Adapted Softball, the St. Cloud Crush, they're off to a 5-0 and start. They've just been dominating everyone. They won 15-5 to last Thursday, 20 to nothing over Buffalo last night. And in those two games, Logan Anderson, a combined eight of eight, nine RBIs, uh, three doubles and two triples. So um, not much to complain about on that front. And basically up and down the lineup, they've been having people getting three, four hits basically every game. So they're off to a really nice start. They were one of the best teams in the state last year, and then the state tournament got canceled. They didn't get to have it. So um, I would expect them to be one of the favorites going into this year. And then um, the other team to mention is the Storm and Sabres lacrosse team for boys for Sartell Sock Rapids. Um, they're off to their best start in history, 5-0. and um, On Thursday night, I believe they play St. Michael Albertville, who's a section opponent, which could be a nice kind of gauge for where they've at because they've kind of rolled through a lot of 
um, the other teams in the area or some of their other section opponents. And if they're able to win that one, um, they're definitely a team to kind of look out for as one of the top, one of the, you know, high seeds in the section and see what they can do. They've, um, you know, done some really incredible things. They've already kind of turned things around from, they had some, you know, nice performances last year, but the wins didn't always follow that. And this year they're off to a really great start. Yeah. One other, one other team that I think we kind of forgot to mention was Sartell Boys Golf. They've been looking really good this year. Um, Lance Hammock, kind of the main guy that you kind of knew that was going to be doing pretty well, but also a lot of other guys that are stepping up. Um, you had Mason Lund who shot under 80, um, Last night in the Central Lakes Conference Tournament, Carson Andel, um, he's been pretty much consistent in the 80 mark. Um, and then Sam Lundy, as well as uh, Jack Schmitz, they've been kind of sitting in that high 70s, low 80s mark as well. So um, last Thursday, Sartell was able to get the win in the Central Lakes Conference meet um, with a 322 score. Last night, they were able to finish second behind Alexandria. Um, Alexandria finished a little under 300. Sartell finished at 317. So, um, yeah, just really good performance by Sartell. I know losing um, Logan last year or from last year's team, you kind of were like, you're not sure how that's going to go. But um, a lot of guys just stepping up and taking over um, some of those roles this season. So um, kudos to them. Yeah, but, uh, you know, other than that, um, you know, we can kind of mention, I guess, what our plans are. For the rest of this week, a little, Brian, where are you going to be out at? Yeah, so tonight, uh, Wednesday, I will be doing nothing. Um, there's not a whole lot of high school sports that are happening tonight, so taking the night off. And then Thursday, I'm going to be over at Bob Cross Field for that Sauk Rapids Sartell baseball game at 5 p.m. Um, should be a good one, so if people are around and want to come over, um, you can say hi to me. Uh, I was happy to say hi. Um, Friday night, not much going on in the high school world, so taking that night off. And then Saturday is the big mega meet, so I'll be over there um, probably 9 o'clock is the start of it, and then I think it looks like it's supposed to end somewhere around 3.30 or 4. So um, plan on being there for most of the morning and afternoon, um, and then just kind of posting stories and photos from that um, as the day goes on. So, um, And then next week, not entirely sure what I'm doing Tuesday, so... Um, TBD on that as we uh, get closer to the end of the week and get prepared for next week. But I guess, Zach, where are you going to be? Yeah, I'll be um, on Thursday. Tomorrow night I'll be at Sartell for a track meet at 4 o'clock. They're hosting um, a couple teams. And then um, nothing Friday as well. And then going into next week, um, Storm and Sabres lacrosse. They're going to be hosting, I think it's Brainerd at 6 o'clock at Sartell on Monday. Plan to be at that. Um, kind of see how, talk about a little bit of how they've gotten off to a great start this season. And then that Tuesday is going to be um, the true team section meet at Ricori with a lot of our local teams I'll be at too. So yeah, a lot a lot coming up to, to be excited about. We've had good weather. Hopefully that sticks um, and, and can get off to kind of a good rest of the spring. But I think other than that, that'll about wrap it up for the show today. So once again, thank you for tuning in to the SC Times Sports Report podcast, and we will see you again next time.